In the words of the legendary Lou Gellerman, hello dog fans and welcome to the Sound the Siren podcast uh, because everything matters including some serious Idaho imported barbecue chicken in the secondary last Saturday uh, and some uh, some more barbecue chicken coming in from Tulsa, Oklahoma this Saturday. Uh, I am your host, Hooligan7. I'm joined tonight by Cap, otherwise known on Twitter as Michael Big Tenix Jr. Uh, tonight's Category 9, otherwise known as the Darker Knight. Uh, Hood Husky, otherwise known as Discuss T, uh, which you will hear a little bit more about in Stupid Tweets, sponsored by Kevin King. And making his return to the pod. Welcome back, UW Squints. How are you gents doing this evening? Doing well. Doing well. Dogs want to know how can we be bad? Lord. We uh, all right, we'll, we'll start with beverages, of course. Uh, Squints, uh, what, what's your uh, beverage of choice this evening? High, qu- nice. high quality H two O. This might be a theme. Hood. It's <laughs> a theme and then go to me, man. <laughs> so, high quality H2O, but hey. not only that, but the exact same glasses. There we go. There we go. Women. Jake, uh, what do you got, bud? Uh, I also am on the high quality H2O, uh, but I also have a, a little nice. raspberry lemonade go. kombucha. Ooh, a probiotic. A little, Darker night. A little extra. Oh, come on. Y'all know I'm on that Bobby Boucher. <laughs> that refresh. <laughs> High quality is too old. Uh, and I am actually on the water train as well tonight, but uh, in my case, it's carbonated. Uh, I've got some Aslan Brewing sparkling hop water. Uh, it tastes a little bit like an IPA, but it's not. It's just carbonated water and hops. Hey, now that's why I call Cape Through Drip. <laughs> Drip. That sounds good. All right. Yeah, no, it's not too bad. Uh, that and I've. Good. Uh, Backslid or at least plateaued a little bit in the uh, slightly less hooligan uh, to carry around effort. So <laughs> choosing not to, to have a beer tonight. Uh, let's move on into Stupid Tweets. is sponsored by Kevin King. Uh, who wants to start? Hood, I know you got one. Oh, um, I don't know if it's the same one, uh, but um, shout out to uh, Tulsa's mascot, uh, this, uh, Gus T. It's, it's so they're, they're the Golden Hurricanes, and the mascot uh, Gus T. That is awesome. Uh, but I will say, as far as like an actual tweet, um, I'm going to go with this one. I'll go with, because I've uh, been in some national spaces, so. Uh, dude, uh, uh, hashtag BTHO Miami. Um, when talking about when I said, uh, Washington has the best uh, wide re- receiver trio, and he said, Evan Stewart, Noah Thomas, and Moose Muhammad say hello. Uh, that's all they're saying because they're not doing anything in regards <laughs> to being the best trio in the it's country. It's a cult down so, there in Aggie land. Those are the Texas AM. Yeah, those are the Texas yeah. A&M receivers, if anybody doesn't know. Uh... Good thing you explained, because yeah. I don't think that the, the whole country knows. Yeah. the names, so exactly. that should tell you everything. Yeah, my comment Exactly, on bro. Moose Muhammad, Mariner Moose. Yeah. Mm, I'm good. 
Um, I, I will I will say about Gust, he uh, I, I think his expression looks like about what their fans are going to look, be looking like on Saturday. Lade. Yeesh. That's exactly what it looks like he's saying. Yeesh. Yeah, and then uh, I got to go with, uh, I don't know if we've ever completely uh, called uh, our friend Key out on uh, in stupid tweets, but he definitely had one um, responding in a thread with uh, with UW Football Opinions. Uh, we played a, full, a team full of you. I'm like, uh, actually, Key, uh, Boise State was a top 20 or top 30 defense last year. UW was not. Um, and they got, as I mentioned in the intro... They got full on cooked, so yeah, and that was in reference to the the Tom Pornelli graph where uh, our offensive play rate was pushing thirty percent. Our offensive explosive play rate was pushing thirty percent, and uh, Boise's uh, offensive explosive play rate was a little above five, which is good from our defense and not good from I take it for anything. If you're wearing blue and orange last Saturday. It's also a real bold move to talk shit about quality of opponent when they played Fact. Portland State last week. There was a battle for the second best team in the state. So yeah, and, and I will say the other stupid tweet or stupid series of tweets was the uh, hissy fit thrown by our old friend in quotation marks, uh, big game boomer, about being denied a, a media pass by Kansas and saying, "Oh, you don't even know what you've started." And it's like. Like, what are you going to do? So like, create another funny. shitty Excel spreadsheet list? <laughs> Woo! Oh, no! <laughs> and then he got real into his feelings. <clears throat> I'm quitting. Deep. Uh, I also have one. Our other good friend, quote-unquote, uh, Austin, at DeviousDuck underscore. Um when he said, in quotes, Washington may have the best wide receiver room outside of Ohio State or USC, end quote, and posted uh, Oregon's stats, receiving stats at or against Portland State, um, to which I had to quote tweet that we outproduced them with four receivers, wide receivers, tight ends, running backs, um, and then he just got really in his feelings about it. But it's funny to watch Oregon State fans, UW fans, Utah fans, everyone just kind of pile on this guy because he just has a thought, puts it out there, and then can't back it up at all. That was a terrible tweet, dude. Like it was horrendous. It was te- that was a terrible tweet, bro. <laughs> it is definitely what they are known for. Uh, I think we can go ahead and start our, uh, we'll go in and let's dive right into the recap of what we, what we saw. And I think that there's a lot of things that we saw and liked last Saturday, uh, but kind of biggest takeaway or, or thing that made you happiest from last Saturday outside of getting the win. I wouldn't say getting the win made me necessarily happy. It was to be expected, so I'm just glad they didn't fuck it up. Or did Jimmy Lake Too soon, man. Too soon. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, thing that made me the most happiest was watching all the young bucks get out there, uh, especially the ones kind of making 
uh, shout out to Parker. Um, just kind of seeing how polished he was, was really impressive. And, um, actually seeing our cornerback room kind of flex was a big difference from last year too. So, um, just things to, uh, look forward to moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Devon Banks was. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, exactly. Devon Banks, the entire defensive backfield, uh, actually making plays on the ball. Um, whether it be the PBUs from, uh, Devon or, um, Muhammad or the pick from Camp Fab. It was just nice to see the ball hawking defense that we uh, were so accustomed to during the mid to late 2000s era. Uh, not necessarily, obviously not to that level, but to see our defensive backs actually making plays on the ball as opposed to just watching the play happen in front of them. I was just going to quickly add, uh, I was reading something after the game. I had no idea. Um, the four pass breakups from Devon Banks was more than anyone from last year's team already. So uh, we're off to a good start. Right. Get the fuck I, out I promise you. See that? Yeah. I had to yeah. look it up myself. Yeah, it was like tied for the league. <laughs> I had to so, look it up. It was Thule and... Thule had more pass breakups than some of our DBs. Yeah, last year was a yeah, so. a bit of a well, not a bit of a it was a it was a big yikes. Um, I got to say that I really liked the play from our interior D line. Um, we were talking a little bit about it in the pre-show. A lot of stacking blocks, a lot of um, making Green a little bit uncomfortable. Obviously, like I think it's been a little bit overblown on Husky Twitter and in some of the the dis- the discourse. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, that, you know, oh, should we be worried about the pass rush? Should we be worried about the pass rush? I saw a lot of contain and I saw a lot of pushing the D-line, pushing their own line back and making green and comfortable. And, like, the dude had, what, like eight or nine incompletions in a row? Like, that dude was not comfortable in the pocket at all, and we didn't really allow him to get out of it, get out of it and hurt us by over-pursuit. Yeah, I really like the scheme of the defense. <clears throat> it seems like they put in a lot of work in the offseason and really focused on being extremely extremely disciplined, <clears throat> really working as a unit. Um, you saw the DNs. They weren't just getting upfield and trying to get around around their guy. They were attacking the, the outside shoulder and, and getting you know through their guy to the quarterback. Uh, and then you had the interior D-line really get their hands on their, their, their guy uh, and stay disciplined in their, their, their lanes and didn't get out of it. I think there was only one time all game where I saw there was a, um, you know, we, we essentially lost contain. Uh, and I think we'll see a lot of that this year against some really athletic quarterbacks and just being able to get pressure without compromising your defense, I think is a really, really good sign for us. Uh, I actually think some of the screen stuff was because we didn't really, that's maybe one of the holes you have when you, you know, are bringing delayed pressure and, and things like that. Um, you're going to have to give up something. I think if you look back at the, the film, it's going to be, you know, just another uh, fast to the, the defense they're going to have to add. I expect that to be cleaned up. So I think it's a really good sign for the rest of the year. Um, yeah, I mean, you guys kind of covered everything. Um, I'll say, uh, just, um, one thing I really enjoyed was just kind of the special teams intensity. 
Um, just how like everybody who was on special teams took advantage of their reps, um, even when they were rotated in. Uh, you 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 saw um, you know Rome get opportunities back there as well um, in, in PR. Um, and then another thing for me was uh, just piggybacking off the aggressiveness of the defense and um, just kind of the familiarity with the scheme in year two. Uh, just I, I liked um, watching the gang tackling. And just the rallying to the ball, um, that was a little different. I saw Voy kind of with a crazy motor uh, chase down the play. Uh, there was one with Dom. Um, a lot of these guys were flying all over the field. Uh, Eddie, Eddie was flying all over the field, um, cleaning up tackles. There's four dudes on one guy. He's coming to clean it up. So I really liked that. Um, and then just overall, holistically as a team, just taking what's there. Um, you know, Boise allowed us to do a lot of things, even on offense and defense, utilizing a lot of one-on-one things for us. And yeah, um, I think that was a very important, just taking what was there for sure. One thing I'll add is uh, wide receivers, especially Jeremy Bernard. I mean, he adds a huge facet to the team. Like when ball's in his hands, he's a, he adds something that we're just, we're just missing. Um, really all the wide receivers, they really have their own strengths. Uh, Rome's big he's strong. He's, athletic fast um jalen's a great route runner super quick jeremy's got you know a little wiggle to him he had some really good catches too some uh you know outside the frame catches that they that they hauled in uh you know, just the depth that we've got you know we didn't even see boston he was there he just didn't get today the it was didn't this get last the game so when did i mean and, and speaking of fixing some of the red zone issues yeah 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 do, do you remember any any back shoulder throws in, in short yardage last year at all, like we saw for the, that touchdown to Rome? Nope, not really. This, uh, even some of the slot fade stuff they were doing, uh, we really didn't didn't do too much often. Yep. A lot of the 50-50 stuff. Yeah. A lot to be really encouraged by. I think anybody else have anything that, that was a particular highlight that they'd like to talk about? I just want to highlight the fact that we're going through all these things that we're really excited about, and no one said a word about the 450-yard, five-touchdown I mean, day that Mike had. as usual for him. I mean, so, I, mean <laughs> I, I think we, we talked a little business bit about it in the pre-show. Uh, we're now also doing, joined by DJ. DJ, you got us. Can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. Awesome. Um just about that, like the team even recognizes that they left some, to use what Rome's term was, was that they left some meat on the bone. Uh, there was a great, you know, video on YouTube by QB school talking about it. And like, this is easily, if Mike hits one more of those long passes, this is a 500 yard day we're talking about. Uh, if not, you know, a couple more of them and it's, <laughs> uh, I mean, he came very close to breaking his own school record that he set last year. I think that record's going down, if not this weekend, sometime this season for sure. I'm against yeah. UFC. A Grinch defense will do that. Tell us those motherfuckers. Um, really, uh, just a positive note, too. Uh, will Nixon, got to definitely shout him out. I definitely felt like... Uh, He's the the juice that we may need um, at running back. I don't know how much his body is built to hold up um, 
for more than about 15 touch 12 to 15 touches a game but definitely can get him uh, out in space he, he was hitting holes um, super hard um, um, he I think he mentioned that um, he had he Got had an opportunity way. for like a 50 yarder if he had read it a different way and and I found the run he was talking about and he is very right uh, it was him and the safety one on one and he I think went left instead of right um, but yeah shout out to will and I think the nice um, thing about all the, the hard work paying off for sure in that room right now is that we don't need a Miles Gaskin style bell cow that's going to touch the rock 20 to 30 times in a game. You can get Will 10 to 15 touches. You can probably give Dylan seven to 12 touches. I think what was clear to me and certainly like Dylan, um, you know, made some plays in, in the passing game. Uh, doesn't look like he's fully healthy yet or, or, and fully integrated into the system, but that may come. Uh, you know, I don't think we saw a whole lot of Daniel Nagata. Um, and you saw, and Sam Adams was out there a little bit too. I know, uh, Hood, you and I were sitting together a little bit in the second half. And I think that you saw that Tybo got in there and laid a, a good block, uh, just in the, in, in pass pro. Um, yeah. And, um, just speaking just to the running back room a little bit, um, just, I think Ryan Grubb mentioned how, um, he was kind of expecting a little bit more in space from, um, from DJ, from Dylan Johnson, um, you know, and Dylan expects more of himself as well is what he said too. Um, in the open field, um, got tackled one-on-one a couple times and, you know, that's, that's not even what DJ wants. So just, uh, hopefully we get to see him versus Tulsa have the opportunity to kind of get those, uh, opportunities yeah. in space again. And, well, I, and I would, I certainly expect that we would considering that Tulsa is not a defensive, <laughs> defensively prowess football team like Boise State was supposed to be so. Uh, anything that is either, if not necessarily a cause for concern, but an outstanding, you know, questions unanswered by the game this past weekend as we look forward. I'm assuming you guys are talking. You talked about the running game already a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be. I think punt return, I'm not super comfortable with uh, Rome back there. Even Jalen, I don't know if he gives you enough. I, I kind of want to see Jeremy back there. I think the the wiggle that he's got, I think, can really add something. And just the risk, the risk-reward for yep. you know, your top two receivers yeah. back there. And, and uh, if I can jump in on one thing even to that point, I love the attitude that Rome has, Like, but – uh, where he was, you know, taking on four and five tacklers at various points. Um, when we need it, Rome, please keep that switch fully turned on. But when we're up four touchdowns, it, it, it's okay to let a couple guys tackle you and preserve your health for the full season. Yeah, sometimes you need to learn to Tyler Lockett move and just go down without getting in touch and be smart about it. I mean, yes. we, we saw his energy was a little different on the field. You know, uh, he's never kind of been that demonstrative or like, I'm sunning all you guys out here. I don't care what DB it is. Every time he got up, he was staring at people, chest bumping people. He didn't even need to say anything half the time. Just look at DBs. Like He, he hasn't done that on every rep. You know, now he's kind of like imposing his will and letting people know he's the alpha. So I think that's going to be a mindset. We could be up 70. I think he if he's in there, he's just going to. 
Yeah, I think I just hope it doesn't cost us because uh, I don't. I mean, like, and obviously we we talked about it in previous episodes. We definitely have depth in that room, but uh, I want that room fully healthy for as long as possible because it is just such a competitive advantage. And I mean, it it wasn't even a, a receiver heavy play, but one of my favorite plays. We we talked again a little bit about it in the pre show that the touchdown to Westover with the with the orbit motion from Jalen and uh, I mean with the with the verts, <laughs> the yeah. verts and uh I, I said it to, to Hood before we started. I'm like I could have made that throw <laughs> for a touchdown like a ten <laughs> a, a ten year old uh, you know a ten year old in the stands on Saturday could have made that throw <laughs> with as open as Westover was. It was just like whew, that was a, a scheme win for sure. That was a beautiful design. Beautiful design. You had the running back doing a wheel at the backfield once they motioned from right to left. Um, I believe you had uh, what is it? Who was that tight end? Because um, we it was Colpin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, Colpin kind of ran a ran across, so I just ran across that safety's face, and then <laughs> just that west over, just sneak right behind. That was just a beautiful design play. It's yeah. Go ahead. Uh, cause of concern. Uh, we're kind of mentioning concerns. Um, I know a lot of people maybe feel like Elijah Jackson had a tough day, um, but I do think if you think of any of the DBs on the field, he was the only one that was a big, lengthy, long one. And I think he just got different types of calls than the other mm-hmm. ones did. The other one, uh, Boise had small receivers who couldn't get off Jabbar and uh, Devon's hands, you know. So how were they going to get off of Elijah's hands? So um, I think you know he was moving a lot of the DB, a lot of the receivers um, off their lines, and when the ball's in the air with his head turned around, he's moving guys off the lines and they're calling it. So I felt. Um, I don't think that's a negative, sure. but I, I, and I think one of the PIs was big plays. Was essentially, um, it was pretty ticky tack. Yeah. It was just pretty stereotypical hand, downfield hand fighting where the receiver was giving as much as he was getting. <laughs> yeah. One thing I'd say, I didn't have too much of a problem on his coverage. It was more, there was a swing, I think it was a swing pass out of the backfield. Uh, and he came up just really out of control. I don't know. Just really didn't seem comfortable, and I think that kind of was a good represent representation for that whole game for him. Uh, it could be one of those things that he snaps out of easy. You know, he comes back with a great game, but he just didn't seem comfortable out there. Didn't really trust his reads. Uh, wasn't didn't have a good feel for the game, I think, from what I can tell. So, but he, he's athletic, uh, yeah. right? Like he's got the 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 ability to bounce back I'm, I'm hoping that he does and becomes a, a big contributor this year he he's also very like uh, in regards to reps he's not a mature player yeah though. like he hasn't out there so it's like this is going to be his you right. know first time not coming off of injury and just playing yeah, so he's going to take some some bumps and bruises for sure. went through last year he didn't necessarily get the same amount of live fire game reps and so those are going to come i mean and and in a 56 to 19 blowout of Boise state and what will be comparable, if not even even bigger blowout, no better time than to 
get those when your offense is cooking with <laughs> extra strength gas. Um, and just, I say, staying on the defensive side, too, uh, not getting an update on Durfee also is, is not great news either. I, I personally feel like, you know, with a lot of the um, pressure packages or the simulated pressures that, you know, Morell and Andrew running, that Durfee's a, a phenomenal weapon in that scheme. And, like, not having him takes you from an NY6 winning team, uh, or sorry, from a, a CFP contender to an NY6 type of team. So I definitely feel like, you know, we saw the young guys get in there and rush the passer a little bit. Uh, Holes Claw looked good. Uh, Sakai looked um, like really disciplined, um, um, really locked in and matured out there. Um, but um, yeah. I think we need a we need another game changer out there yeah, for sure. Just kind of put his hand in the dirt, mix things up, make a decision. Like it's such like so much like Zach Durfee, the Tez Walker situation. Such a worthless organization. For what? Like, for what, man? One thing I'll add on, uh, being nitpicky maybe, uh, looking to see Dom step up just a little bit more. You know, he had a really quiet game. You know, a lot of times he was in the right spots, but you're kind of hoping that you're, you know, one of the leaders of your defense, he's showing up a little bit more. Yeah, he's It could just be one of those – yeah, it could just be how the game flowed. Yeah, I really want to see him a little bit more attitude, leadership. You know, making some big, big plays out there. There was there was definitely a different um, a different speed than like let's say him and Asa. Mm-hmm. Like Asa seemed playing at a different type of speed. Um, now I don't know if that's like just a mental thing or I'm not up for the game, et cetera, or they're not throwing to my side, all that kind of stuff. But I definitely saw what you were seeing. Um, and on the on the opposite side of that, just kind of shouting out Asa and Mish for their kind of intensity there, and Cam Fab as well. You know, being in the right place at the right time, just doing his job at the end of the day, um, and using some instincts too. So um, yeah, I, I think the safety group looked great. Um, but to your point, definitely want to see some some. Some um, I agree with that. Some yeah, splash plays from Dom. When, yeah. when you were talking about tone setting, I, I think the thing on the defensive side, I think the things that set tones or defensive and special teams, the tone setting uh, smacks. <laughs> uh, aces on that third down to to create that loss of four, and then uh, uh, Robert RG threes uh, burp, sneeze, and fart all at the same time. Uh, what I what I think of the DC I refer to as Maurice Heim saying off eaters a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well he blew two guys up. He blew like he up. blew like he blew up the blocker and like hit and then hit the, the, the returner with the shoulder. Like that was that was nasty. <laughs> oh, um finally, sorry, uh perimeter blocking. Yep. Definitely something that needs to level up for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw one pancake out there. Shout out to Jeremy um, on that Jalen where you got stopped at the one. But beyond that, Westy, Rome. Ah, yeah, a couple of Rome tough. was just Rome was standing too tall. Um, I get it. He didn't want to give the play away. But if you know you're blocking, he can get a little bit lower to try to, you know, not give the DB his chest. The DB just kind of ran through. And by the time he had a chance to react, he was already – he would, the DB was basically even, so you try to block in his holding. 
So he kind of just had to kind of shove and he got caught a couple of times doing that. Then there was one where he was kind of in between where he kind of lunged, missed. And then that kind of, that's when Jalen kind of got hit low and that kind of looked kind of iffy. Um, so, I mean, that's coachable though. It's just angles and just kind of understanding like what you want to do and where the DB's reading. The DB made a good play, but you know, you shouldn't get hit twice with kind of the same type of move. And moving on to, uh, we'll move on from our recap of what happened on Saturday and talk a little bit from Saturday, things that were like, eh, maybe a little dicey. Um, and it, uh, one of the things that I'm going to, uh, and I'll start here about fan experience, game day experience in general, uh, fan engagement. This is a, uh, an open kind of open conversation, uh, you know, ideas, things that you liked. Um, to be honest, I'm a little bit pissed at our fan base. Uh, announced attendance of 68. That was not 68,000 people in Husky Stadium this last Saturday. Uh, we had a, granted, not a Power 5 opponent, but a pretty marquee group of five. And uh, that was not a as full a stadium as I was expecting. And I think that's bullshit with a top 10 team with a good matchup. Uh, we talked a little bit about it before the season started. If there, I mean, I know, and I know people have things come up, but get yourselves to Husky Stadium. These kids deserve it. Is an, an incredibly entertaining brand of football being played. No excuses not to be there. And further, we complain about late kickoffs. It was a twelve thirty. Weather's been used to, as an excuse in the past. I mean, if anything, it was maybe a little too hot, but them's the breaks. Uh, I've still got maybe a little bit of pink on my face from <laughs> being in the sun too much in the second half, but here we are. I enjoyed it anyway. Show up and show out. The the kids certainly did. We as fans need to. Take the opposite approach because I ended up stealing some nice seats. So stay home because I'm going to take your seats. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice and shady. So 35 yard line, maybe 25 rows back. Hard to beat. Generally so. on this, generally on this podcast, we 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 try to be the other kind of shady. <laughs> yeah. If you throw in shady at, at our opposition, then sitting in it. <laughs> yeah, I think also with the the changes, you know, and obviously we could go into at length into a diatribe about shortening the game so that or so that TV partners can play more commercials. I think that's something just in terms of that, you know, from a game day experience, fill more of those gaps. Like, I think there were more noticeable gaps and do more in terms of the game day. Uh, I also think it's something that could be slightly mitigated in a couple of weeks when the students are back from campus and we have the band and the band could actually do something and could, or, you know, the, and there's a combination of, you know, your, your multimedia stuff. But like even the, um, I think, it, I think it was in the second half where they did a, you know, cheer if you're an OL rain, if you're a Sounders, if you're a Kraken, like flashing all the Seattle teams. No attention got called to it. It's just if you happen to look at the scoreboard and see it. So there could be some leveling up that needs to be done there for sure. Anybody have some ideas and things that they'd like to see? I mean, obviously, with a 12.30 kickoff, we didn't get to see the new LED lights at Husky Stadium. The the tweet on Friday night was super nice. Um, 
Yeah, the one thing I'd say is is it just felt like a JV game. Like there's not a whole lot of competition there. It was one team was completely overmatched, and it turned into drop back, throw bombs to the overmatched defensive backs against the overmatched defensive backs. Yeah, I mean to to not score any points in the first quarter, and then they end up with fifty plus. It's kind of let you. That's scary when you kind of think. I mean, offensive wise, they would tell you they probably played a C plus game. You know. Yep. I mean, yeah, we might have a couple of these games because Boise State's not a bad team. Like they're, they were picked to finish first in the Mountain West. Win. Yep. Yeah, I think they had a top fifteen defense last year. They had some guys mm-hmm. graduate the NFL, uh, JL Skinner and a couple other guys, but. Um, that's a good team, and it just we just completely overmatched them. All right, we're back. Sorry, we ran into some technical difficulties there. Uh, I will say I did forget to mention a stupid tweet that does need to be discussed and. Um, yeah, it just needs to be discussed, and that's at late kick Josh with his. It's not rankings; it's just a. But he calls it a poll um, that featured the Oregon Ducks at number five. Um, evidently, his model, quote unquote, you know, over clearly over indexes on total team composite and recruiting rankings. Um, either that, or uh, his lips are over indexed to Phil Knight's ass. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I, I made the joke to uh, Leah. Do oh, better be putting some money away for his early knee replacement surgery because this is getting embarrassing, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Anything else or, or uh, ideas for fan engagement? You know, things that could fill in some of those commercial breaks. Or, I mean, obviously, there's Coker's epic idea of having at some point for big games having the team come in on a boat. Um. I still love that idea so much. I just think we need to marry the the advertisement that we have with some sort of fan engagement. Like I seen the whole Run DMC thing. I thought that was dope. But have something like first, you know, thirty thousand fans to get exclusive shirt and now help NIL for some of the kids, or you know, I mean, like just something that's going to get people in the stands faster, and or have something dedicated to, you know what are we looking to pump out this week and then have something, you know, during the game, during the timeout that then, you know, talks back to that and kind of gets the fans involved as a talk back point. Hey fans, remember when this is your time to do this, take out your phone, you know, just get, get folks out of their seat and engage. Yeah. Especially with how people were talking about the extension of the commercial breaks, uh, TV timeouts, if they're going to be sitting there for longer periods of time, you really have to do something to engage those fans for those longer breaks. And um, I wasn't there on Saturday, but from what it sounds like, there was not really much of, of anything done as far as engaging any of that, that downtime. And if you're seeking out casuals who don't understand the pageantry of the event, you need to maybe guide them through it. Have signage, stomp your feet. It's third down, stomp your, let's make some, you know, people don't understand the, you know, during the kickoffs the much, like, 
you know, so just just kind of have some signage, guide people every week. Because if you're because right now we're trying to get that casual. So mm-hmm. if you're trying to appeal to them, you got to be engaging. It's got to be a fun, entertaining event. Yeah, even if on kickoffs, you have to have on the on the screen just a bunch of dogs just mushing in the snow and just kind of having that kind of play to the chant and then having, you know, just so many different things now we can do to engage them where visually you can see it, you know, certain things, scan a QR code that you received when you entered the stadium, you know, and give fans a chance to win things or, you know, just, I just think we're dropping the ball in a lot of different areas that are really easy fixes. And you definitely need to give out some free swag with them damn Adidas that just came out. Give me some. (laughs) Yeah. Where where is the the merchandising you know merchandise money? I mean, like I don't think you could go. I mean, I would love. I mean, we've got the cow game coming up in a couple of weeks, and it's superhero day. You know, riff. I mean, Funko is local. Do you know? I mean, it's going to be more complicated for UW as an entity, but like Michael Penix is a superhero Funko Pop. Like that seems. I mean, I don't I don't know how that works. That you know, like. I don't know how much of that, like the Mariners or is, is an inherent part of the ticket cost for that game for the Mariners or whether they're paying out of what they're, where that money comes from to generate that merchandise, but things could be done and like, and things like that would certainly promote your, your program in a really fun way and potentially draw some casuals in. Yeah. I just, I mean, bare minimum, just have a shirt to give away to fans every home game whatever theme you want it to be just at a bare minimum. I think that will help too and help uh, just with, from young Husky fans to the the casual Husky fan that's been going for 20, 30 plus years, just something to kind of bridge that gap and bring everybody together. Um, Just have something to look forward to, you know, outside the stadium, have more interactive things for fans to do. The tailgate doesn't have to end in the parking lot. That's what I'm trying to say, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that's, that, well, and that's the other thing, like E1 was for my money or, or like what I remember, E1 was empty. Like it, it, there were yep. a few rows that were packed, but it was yep. not anywhere near the sprawl that it used to be. And I think we've put two, I think that somewhere along the line, there have been too many barriers, whether it's monetary or time or whatever it is, but that wasn't the atmosphere in E1 that I remember at all. Or at least the, the we're sprawl game, we're game for sure. I think after Michigan State, things will things will pick up for sure. But yep, I think we can go ahead and move on into uh, our preview of of Saturday with the Tulsa Golden Hurricane coming to town. Key, um, you know, I, th- I think we started last week with keys to the game. Uh, you know, whoever would like to kind of talk about the thing that they're going to be paying most attention to or the biggest key. I mean, obviously, I think we all think this is going to be or should be a pretty comfortable win. Um, but the thing that you're going to be really interested to see on Saturday. Health and backups. That's about it. <laughs> I got nothing on Kels, Tulsa. I got nothing on. Yeah. If this game is anywhere That's on close. on the whiteboard this week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just stay healthy. Just stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, I think their starting quarterback went out with an injury. It sounds like he might play, but he may split time with, I believe, is the backup who came in and played really well for them against Arkansas Pine Bluff was Cardell Williams. Um, I don't expect 
I mean, yeah, I, the thing, I mean, I'm going to, we talked about it in, as a, as a potential, not concern, but just like, Hey, when we want to see improvement, I want to see more of the running game on Saturday. Um, but I also still expect us to put up a boatload of points and still have a similar amount of possessions. Yeah. This is going to be one of them stab patterns. Um, I think, but to, to Squince's point, just, you know, we might see 50 plus yards from a Tybo or, you know, we might see a couple sacks or a sack or a bunch of pressures from, you know, those second and third string guys, um, just some of those flashes. So that's kind of what I'd say I'm more excited for. Um, I want to get a defensive touchdown. You know, I don't know when the last time that's happened here um, at home, but I want a defensive touchdown. Um, I want some explosive special teams plays, like exciting and get fan engaging type of plays. Um, you know, we were just talking about how Boise State, the, the, the deep ball got a little, oh, again? <laughs> so uh, let's let's spice it up, and I want some defensive scores. Yep. Yeah, I think well, – uh, I will okay. say on that – go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Darker Knight. No, I was just going to say, uh, I just think we're we're getting out the blocks a little slow in, in the sack department. I know we had 12 pressures, but um, I just think we should set the tone this week and uh, really make up for more of a lackluster performance from – our edges and I hope they practice pissed off this week and show up Saturday pissed off um, to come off a year where you had 37. And so far you're just coming off a performance where you have one collectively. Um, I think it just, it, it sets up nicely for a nice bounce back game. Yeah. And while their quarterbacks are mobile, I don't think they have the top end speed that Taylor green does. Right. So I think less of yeah. a concern from a contained standpoint. I, I, for selfish reasons, I, I want a stat padding game for Mike. Um, these Heisman campaigns start early, um, and you need those those big stat games against these inferior opponents in the early part of the season. So I want to see 500 plus. I want to see five six touchdowns again, um, just because I, I want that that kind of <clears throat> uh, big time notoriety attention on the program. I mean, I know we're already a top eight program um, as it sits right now, but I mean, in just a matter of five games, we're going to have a huge matchup against Oregon. I just want all that, that hype, all that attention on Mike and, and the program in general. Um, and the quickest way to do that is obviously winning games, but also huge play out of your quarterback uh, and having him right in the thick of the Heisman contention. It's a great Facts. Point. I also yeah. want to see uh, once we do get to the backups, uh, Boston. Really excited to see him. I know he had that. Uh, what was it? End around last year touchdown where he puked afterwards. So maybe maybe this time we can get a couple touchdowns and hold it together a little bit, uh, or at least hold it in. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh. And also, I wouldn't mind seeing Austin Mack take a few snaps. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. I, I might want to see some some late Austin Mack. That would yep. be nice mm-hmm. if we can get Mike five six touchdowns before the midway through the third quarter. Then give Dylan some time and let let Austin take uh, the last half of the fourth quarter or something like that would be ideal. Be great. That's a great point, Squints. Uh, also. Um, I don't know. I know we saw a lot of rotation in the defensive backfield, saw some guys get in at the end of the game. I want to see more of those younger guys, uh, maybe some of those true freshmen. Um, This is one of those games that 
could get real out of hand real quick. Um, and you can see maybe just to get them out there, get to see some reps uh, from those Leroy Bryant's, Caleb Presley's, Curly Reed's. Um, I don't know how likely that is, um, but it would be nice to see. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've never been more excited to like watch offensive line play um, where, you know, we felt like, you know, it's a thing to the young guys too. We felt like interior offensive line potentially could be a weakness. And then, you know, I watched four guards game one look like starters dominate the front. Um, well, Parker Brailsford was our pass highest rated so, lineman. Parker Brailsford, you know, Mateo was super impressive too. Yeah, he was. Who? Mateo. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so was Julius in pass protection. Um, yeah, I want to see that, that competition completely. between Nate and Julius and see how that continues to, to play out over the the course of these next few games. Uh, Garyon also got in and had some impactful snaps. I believe I saw Clem out there too. So, uh, oh, yeah, we were talking about young guys. I, I I'm really excited to see that uh, interior offensive line full of young guys and and new starters get busy. Yep. Yeah. All right, let's uh, go ahead and move on into score predictions. Uh, Who wants to to jump in first uh, with a a final score tally? I'll I'll go. Uh, I'm going to call this one 63-14. I'm going to give this one more touchdown, but I didn't want to be the first one to go. 70-14. 70 burger. I like it, but... 82-6. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Or even 7, so... Do, do it against uh, a, a, a G5 as opposed to an FCS. Yeah. Uh, Squids, I like where your head's at, my friend. <laughs> First thing that popped in my head was uh, 62-13. So that's what I'm going with. Nice. Uh, I'll say 70-21. to 21. I, I don't know. I, I can't, I I can't know. go with that's you there, but I, I like saving. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that special score line is uh, saved for... Uh, TT those turds down south. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they're scoring. I don't know if they're scoring twenty-one points. Yeah, I, let me let me let me revise. I'll give you sixty-six to ten. All right, I like get, that. Get too. some field goal left in there. And shout out to to uh, Grady Gross. Uh, I love the the kickoffs mm-hmm. in the end zone. Yeah, mitigating yeah, some of it. Nice. Like, and that something like that mm-hmm. is going to play big. Say November fourth. Uh, mm-hmm. if he can do that as many times as possible and keep the ball out of Zachariah Branch's hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, any final thoughts, uh, or can we call this one good and see everybody at Husky Stadium Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock? Mm-hmm. Day game. Reggie. All right. Thanks, thanks everybody, for listening. Uh, go dogs. Uh, please remember to subscribe. Please share the podcast. Uh, and, and if you see us around the stadium or even if you don't necessarily know what we look like, but just recognizes the voices, say what's up. Please do. Go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs.
support this podcast at podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash sound the siren pod uw slash support. Thanks. Go dogs.